Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hey, hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. Same old, same old. It's hot. <laughs> it's it's uh it's nice hot. It, it was so it was it was humid today. We had that wicked rainstorm yesterday, and uh, or that earlier this week, two days ago, whenever. Um, but so now everything's wet, and the sun's come out, and it's like, oh, it's humid, sticky. I... Turned the air conditioner on. <laughs> I wasn't surprised when I got here. It's like, it's like, I, uh, it's, well, you know what? It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm the last one to ask for the air conditioning on. And the other morning I'm getting ready for work and I get this text at 630 in the morning. Can uh, we maybe turn the air conditioner on? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Close the windows. <laughs> so we close all the windows in the house. and um, Even the cats I noticed were just sort of lounging on floor level. Yeah. Right? They're not it's up too there. hot up high. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll throw the air conditioning on. And my thing with that is once the air conditioning goes on in this house, yeah. no one ever wants to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there going, okay, we can turn the air conditioning. No, it's too hot. <laughs> yeah, we're used to it now. So, uh, you know, they'll go out and they'll come home. The windows will be open. We need to air the place out. Yeah. And then hopefully they it's nice for a few days and they don't have to put it back on, mm-hmm. save some money because, you know, i got better things to spend my money on than air conditioning. <laughs> At my old house, I had it all set up. I had a, uh, <clears throat> I went and found the biggest uh, cubic foot per minute uh, evac- air, air evacuation fan, like a bathroom fan. Yeah. But this was bigger than a bathroom fan. And uh, I set that up in the attic and uh, on cool nights, I just flicked the switch and it just evacuated all. It, like if it was like 16 degrees outside, I could, I could clear that house out and make the whole house really cold by by like midnight or something right it was like oh this is nice sucks all the air out of the house sucks all the air just vacuum. So nobody, it's a vacuum you can breathe. <laughs> that's why it's so cold <laughs> so now i gotta figure out how to do this that in the new house gotta figure out some air evacuation thing because that way i can as soon as the temperature dips below like say 21 22 degrees and outside you just start taking outside air and cooling the house right mm-hmm yeah, well, so there's been a couple of days where it's, you walk from outside in the house and you're just like, feels cooler outside because there's I no know. breeze, right? I know, yeah, yeah. And then now it's like I walk from outside sweating into the house and you're just like, oh my God, gee, jumping. Oh, wow. Like I'm in a freezer. <laughs> Tis the season. Tis the season. Uh, you've got a show and tell. I do, I what do. What do you got to show and tell? So, you know, I have this uh, thing for flashlights, right? You got a flashlight. This It's not a thing. It's a fetish. <laughs> so, Call it what it is. I've got way too many flashlights. But, you know, every every flashlight has this purpose. And uh, so when I order this one, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, I can't remember how many uh, lumens it was, but it's like super bright. So I was expecting a, a nice flashlight to come. And it was a really nice flashlight. But... But it's just a little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be. So, I've seen one of those before. I believe it uh, was called a lightsaber, and it was a mo- holy jeez <laughs> that does light up everything. Eh? Isn't that something? So it's a uh, it's I, I've I've got a lot of flashlights from this company. It's direct from China. It's called Wubin, and they make flashlights for a lot of other companies. But the thing that surprised me, and I assume it's going to surprise you, <laughs> is. <laughs> That's the battery. What what would you liken that battery to? <laughs> it's it's um uh a slim tall boy beer can. I don't know. You know what? It reminds me of a uh a Red Bull. One of the thin, yeah, yeah, yeah. thin Red Bull cans. One of the thin Red Bull cans. It's like a but it's wow. ten thousand two hundred milliamp hour. That's that's huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like that whoa. is a bright light. Yes, and it's got its own Type C charger built right into the into the battery. Into the battery, that's pretty cool. Eh? <laughs> so not only can you blind a bear with that, yes, but you can beat him, him to, to death, death with, with it. it as well. It's only what is it, uh, ten inches long, eleven inches long. It's a uh, standard plumbing pipe tube thickness type thing. I don't know. Wow, <laughs> that just looking. lights everything. And up. It's got a little breathing push button that keeps the lot changes so it's uh and you could cook on it i'm pretty sure 
a lot of heat Ooh, comes off that. Ooh, that heat does come off yeah. of there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But okay. I can I can light up my whole backyard with this thing. I think you can light up the neighborhood with that. You can probably attract planes with that. I got some of it in the eye, so now I can't read what it says, but I can't remember. Oh, I can't see it now. I can't see. We'll be doing the rest of the show blind. I can't remember how many, uh, I'd have to look it up, but it's, uh, how many lumens it is. But it's the Wubin A9. It's what is that? Wubin Night. Oh, sorry. Wubinlight.com. That thing is huge. What, uh, what model is this? Do you remember? A9. The, oh, the A9. Yeah, so go to Wubin, W-U-B-E-N, light.com, and check out the A9. Man, you could kill somebody with this. <laughs> yes, like I, I say, you blind them, <laughs> and then you walk up and smack them upside the head. <laughs> this is all you need to carry. It's 1,200 lumen. I swear this is, I've seen this in Star Wars. <laughs> Luke Skywalker carries one of these. Yeah, so it was. Uh, I bought it before it was even on the market, so it was like this super duper discount. So, if you look on the website, I did not pay that much that it says on the website. What does it say on the website? I don't even want to say seven thousand dollars. <laughs> no, on, on the web, I think it was like I paid one forty or one fifty for it. But on the website right now, it's listed at three twenty five. Three hundred twenty five. Yeah, for a light that can help you beat people so up. It says oh, there's a thing in front. It's twelve thousand lumen. 12,000 12, lumen. 12,000 lumen. 10,200 milliamp hour Lyon battery. Excuse me while I burn out your corneas. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> awesome, dude. Yeah. So I guess I buy enough flashlights from them that they give me pre-sales now. <laughs> <laughs> they hear on a first name basis. Yes. How can I help you, Derek? <laughs> those are probably the calls you're getting on your phone that say from China. <laughs> yes. England and all those other we have your flashlight. spam calls. <laughs> yeah, there's just them. Hey, Derek, just uh, <laughs> just let you know. Just a courtesy you're, you're, call to say hello. Yeah, courtesy call. Yeah. Yeah. We have this new flashlight coming out next yeah. week. We ha- you haven't ordered anything in a while. We know you. We're order for you. Okay. You're a flashlight fetishist. <laughs> it's fetishist. Is that a word? <laughs> yes, that is a word. Flashlight fetishist. <laughs> you got to say it right. Fet- fetishist. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I need a nap. Twelve thousand lumen, though. That's uh, that's pretty bright. <laughs> oh really? Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you leave it on for too long, it really starts to heat up. Yeah. Well, that's what happened with that Wizard Pro I had. Oh yeah, that I have. Yeah. It's got like seven settings. You got to don't go more than four. <laughs> that's how I melted a hole in my yeah. sleeping bag. Oh I, yeah, I melted a hole in my. In my uh, my down puffy jacket. I had it in my wow. pocket, and it clicked on, and it's like, whoa, what's that smell? What's whoa! That smell! <laughs> oh, there's a hole in my brand new sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, didn't, didn't uh, realize it got quite that hot. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that all that's happening? <laughs> yeah, for now. Like I am, I am uh, well into. I, I still trying to find stuff after the move, but I have to find all of my gear before my trip comes up short shortly. Yeah, for it's like two weeks. Wabakimi. It's it's three? No, it's two. It's three. Well, three and a half. <laughs> Let's just call it in the middle. Two and, and a half, half, two and a half, two and a half. One, two, two and a half. Yeah, two and a bit. <laughs> two and a two, <laughs> lots two point of five. <laughs> lots of yeah, time. Lots of time to find that, just like your beard trimmer. <laughs> I still haven't found it. Yeah, apparently Siobhan one found your new, face. Well, Siobhan sure. found a new one. Siobhan bought me one yes. because <laughs> because I I was constantly complaining. And I was getting really bushy. So, <laughs> dude, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the thing is, is, I don't grow hair on the side so much, so it looks like weird, and and it grows more out on the sides, not so much. But then around the chin, it goes straight out, so it just looks weird. I don't, I don't, I can't grow a decent beard. <laughs> no comment <laughs> awesome yeah good times <laughs> but yeah so the, so I, I, the only thing I I have to find I have to find my tent and I have to find enough of the sleeping bags to pick one that I want to use I found all my winter bags but that's no good <laughs> so <laughs> I can't use a winter sleeping bag 
And I need to find my good uh, thermorest. I I, I got to find too many things. <sighs> Pitter patter, baby. Pitter patter. <laughs> Life but is I, tough. Find my camp stove and the gas bottle. So that's a good thing. I need both. <laughs> if you need another gas bottle, let me know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I so got like four uh, of them, and I don't know where I got the fourth one from. Oh yeah. I just showed up in my pack one day. <laughs> somebody else is going. Like, somebody else is missing one. Well, I've, I sent out an email to a bunch of people I'd been paddling with, and yeah. I said, "Is anybody missing?" Because I only had three. <laughs> no, I, had I got more. a fourth one here, yeah. and it doesn't look like any of my other three. Yeah, and no one's. No, we got all ours. We got all ours. I'm thinking, <laughs> the heck. Yeah. yeah. Maybe somebody put it in my gear, saying, "Oh, Sean can use this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> But excitement is high. I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a good trip. Yeah, we're heading into uh, Manitou and Algonquin in a, a couple of weeks over the long weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Going up there for uh, three nice. days. Right on. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, North T isn't as bad as it was last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Divorce Lake. Yeah, Divorce <laughs> Lake. Uh, we're going to attempt Divorce Lake again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Poke <laughs> <laughs> the sleeping bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, nice. These, these bigger trips that I'm, they're they're always a big highlight of my summer. The bigger ones, so you know, I'm and excited. We're, we've been doing a lot of sp- like spring and fall trips. Okay, I can't remember the last time I did a summer trip, like a massive summer trip. Mm-hmm. It's been ages. Everything is either bug yeah. season or chill season. Yeah, after all the before or after all the big crowds. Yeah, no. Same. I think that's the same for me. I uh, it's not too often, and I'm not sure why. We I think it last year we got skunked on our uh, Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run trip, mm-hmm. and because of low water levels, and the water levels like first week of September is when we usually go on our whitewater trips. Last year was super low, so I, I think uh, so. It's not. It was Martin and uh, two guys that he knows that planned the trip. I don't even know the names of all the guys that are going. <laughs> This year? Yeah. Are you going? Oh, I'm going. There you go. That's all you need to know. I mean, Mike Scott Martin and uh, and a father and son. Peter Palomari. Something like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, so it's, uh, they, they've planned it in uh, in July. No, August, sorry. August. So it, August should be, it's not too often I've done an August trip. Usually it's- August is good weather. It is good weather. Yeah. It's better than July. July yeah. is when it gets really unpredictable with thunderstorms. Yeah. August things are starting to settle down because your your sunlight is like almost an hour earlier than your sunset is. So it's uh, shorter days. You don't have much time for the the weather to brew something crazy up. And is yeah, you get more time to sit around the fire and relax or mm-hmm. sit under the stars. Yeah, and that sort of thing, which is mm-hmm. nice. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And Willow. Willow's going too. She always goes. Couldn't, can't forget about Willow. No. So, it's good. Mike I, takes his dogs everywhere. Yeah, yeah. She's a lucky dog. You should get one. No, no. Why? No. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> when I do my trip down south, yeah. I keep saying, I should bring back like a hound dog from the southern Ooh, states. Yeah. You know what? Like, we've had the, the border collie mix and we've had Hunter, who was the catamaner, the Catahoula leopard dog mm-hmm. mix. And I, something about hound dogs I like. Mm-hmm. I like beagles. Beagles are nice. I like to have them beagles. There's a, I saw in one of the things, there was a red bone, red bone hound. But it, it looked like a red tan version of Hunter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. picture Hunter, mm-hmm. not black. Yeah. Red tan yeah. color. Cool. Beautiful looking dog. Hmm. But yeah, I keep saying Maybe I'll bring back a dog or two. <laughs> yeah. But they'll have to be old enough to have their vet papers and stuff yeah, to exactly. get across, right? But old enough trained. Ah, training doesn't matter. As long <laughs> as they got their shots and I can get them across the border, I'm good. <laughs> You're okay with new carpets? <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? That's the one thing about the uh, when we were looking for pets is a lot of these rescues are saying, oh, you got to take them. Part of your contract is you have to take them to obedience school. Oh. We've had dogs since I was a kid. We've never taken a dog to obedience hmm. school. Yeah. And you know, anyway, I'm not going to get started on that. I think they're covering their, their bases because uh, it's just 
from my experience, a lot of people turn their animals in because they can't control them. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- so either they can't house- housebreak them or they can't control them. They can't bring them to heal and stuff like that. So if you're, they cause a lot of problems, cause a lot of damage, and then they go back to the pound. And it's like, well, maybe if you had taken them, like some people are idiots, right? Yeah. And so. Well, you got to spend the time training. You, oh, yeah. You can't just yeah. expect, you know. The dog's going to pick it yep. up when you if you do training once every three. Yeah, you four have days. to like dedicate. The dog's a member of the family. You have to dedicate time, just like with your kids. You take them to swim classes. You take them to you know. You got to teach them how to read and write, and you know to learn how to ride a bike. You got to spend the time with the dog to teach them how mm-hmm. to do dog things. Dog things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dogs that were ten thousand. What was it? Was it a hundred thousand years ago? The dogs were predators. Yeah. Now <laughs> they're on the couch waiting for their next meal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's uh, get into this stuff. I'm not going to talk about barbecue. <laughs> I've been eating way too much barbecue lately. Get a lot of you saw that's a new smoker. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> just way. I'm testing every piece of meat out on that thing yeah. to the point where. What do you want for dinner tonight? Not meat. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a salad? Oh, I believe it was in 2000 and know, maybe 20. <laughs> salad. What's that? I thought that was a myth. <laughs> salad. That's what That's what dinner eats. Yeah. Ah. Um, we've been talking about the uh, uh, pandemic there, how everybody picked up water sports. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody's taking up these new hobbies. Hugo Lavictoire, a founder of KSF in Montreal, they rent, sell, provide instructions in kayaking, stand-up paddle boarding, and surfing. He says demand for his business increased about 75% over the pandemic. He says, we were crazy, crazy busy the last couple of years. People were stuck in Montreal, weren't able to travel, but they had the budget for the vacation and wanted to do something outside. He says we even saw more diverse backgrounds and families trying water sports for the first time. And stand-up paddle boarding seemed to be the most popular choice. I think when it comes down to the science, as in... Kayaks and... Are you going to ride in it? Are you going to ride on it? Are you going to... What's easiest to transport? Yeah. So when it comes down to it, people who are... Who has room to, if you're not used to it and you're in town and in Montreal, where do you keep a canoe? Where do you keep a kayak? Mm-hmm. Are you going to spend a lot of money on a, on a fold-up or inflatable kayak? It's like stand-up paddleboard just made sense. Just from the, from the if you look at all the numbers, it's like, oh, I can stick this in a corner. It can hide behind the couch. Or inflatable, or roll inflatable. it up and stick yeah, it. In. Exactly, right? So he says, compared to kayak, you're not stuck in it. You feel a lot safer because if you fall off your board, it's really easy to get back on it. When you're standing on the board, you can see much farther and deeper, so the view is better compared to kayaking, where you sit really close to the water line. So that's one of the things people, mm-hmm. why they're, they're picking, picking that. Jay Taylor of Mech, um, he saw a 20 to 30, 25 to 30% jump in the sales of kayaks, canoes, and stand-up paddle boards during the pandemic along with 45 to 50% increase in accessories like PFDs. Hmm. So I think if you're buying a new paddle board, yep. you're probably going to get yourself a new life jacket or something, right? He says it has become the new way to travel inside the country. The sale of accessories at Mech like dry bags is still strong, and that's a good indicator that people are making an effort to continue to participate oh, in the sport. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's cool that everybody picked it up. But they're going to continue to But now it. they're still buying the Now the they're looking for with. dry bags. They're looking for mm-hmm. other accessories. It's like, so the, they're still using it. They are not abandoning their, their newfound sport. Yeah. Operators can also find increasingly creative ways to engage new and seasoned water sports enthusiasts. In Montreal, KSF offers le- lessons in stand-up paddle boarding, yoga, and uh, fitness classes. <laughs> I, 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 I've been, we, we, with, with, when we were with Warren, uh, uh for, was it Mackay Paddle Surf? I remember trying to get on that paddleboard the first time and it, it, we, we did it. It was easy enough. <laughs> I remember my feet were very sore from trying to keep my balance, but I cannot imagine doing yoga. 
No. It just We're going to talk about blows some about my yoga mind that people can do some of these yoga poses on a stand up paddleboard. I guess with anything, everything you know, you can you can find your balance, right? Mm-hmm. And that with yoga there's a lot of core strength stuff. I found out something about the stand up paddleboard yoga. They maybe not all of them, but the ones I I was researching. They use an anchor to so keep you, don't you in drift. place so, you so don't you're not drift. drifting away. Mhm. So someone's someone's doing downward dog and they're drifting <laughs> <laughs> to see, <laughs> to see, never to be seen again. But same so thing I'm too. If that helps. But same thing too. If you're doing group yoga, you can't have everybody bouncing off each other. So yeah. if there's a steady wind, everybody drops an anchor. You're going to all be in line, right? So it'll it'll keep the group together without people wanting. Hey, <laughs> Bob's Bonk. off in the reeds there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got a runner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, inflatable equipment can also make water sports more accessible for casual paddlers. The popularity of inflatable stand-up paddleboards and kayaks has increased even prior to the pandemic. Uh, Jay Taylor says that we see it a lot in Vancouver where they're jumping on the bus with an inflatable stand-up paddleboard, get to the beach, pump it up, and away they go. It's more convenient than trying to find parking True. these days. True. We look at it from the easy to store at your house, mm-hmm. but you don't even need to take your car now. You just hop on the the transit and head on down to the beach and away you go. Saves you money. I mean, parking is what, like 25 bucks or something like that. So that reminds me of, uh, so you know how you're parking in, at Ajax Waterfront. Yep. Residents only is free, but everybody else has to pay 20 bucks for the day or something. So, uh, <coughs> Clarington, Pickering, I know Pickering Whitby, started it. A lot of people are doing yeah. it. So, for hiking trails, it's six bucks for parking, and for waterfront parking lots, it's like twenty bucks, just like Ajax. And it's like everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. And, and it's, uh, it's, um, I think what it does is it's it's a twofold effort. It does bring in some revenue, but it also like for Ajax, it makes sense. It's like if you're a resident. Your parking is free. So mm-hmm. anybody in Ajax, they can still use their own facilities in their own town. And if you have a bunch of people coming in from out of town, then they have to pay. So it'll tend to keep those people away. So it's more for the local residents. You know, and, I, I can see that because, I mean, we're paying taxes to the town for yeah, yeah, for yeah, all these, yeah. these resources. Yeah. And there's been times where we've gone down to Rotary Park and we, we head home packed. because there is nowhere yeah, yeah. to park. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing they're saying is peak season for water sports is typically quite short in Canada, just a few months long. But, uh, Mr. La Victoire from Montreal is saying that he's seeing more and more water sports enthusiasts in Montreal getting wet suits, dry suits to extend their seasons. Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy yep. uh, water sports for most 10 months of the year, even in November when the lakes are not frozen, you have a good wet suit or dry suit. So the fact that people are starting to increase in in uh, invest in those as well, I find interesting shows. too. Like, so I wonder how many more people are going to start taking up the shoulder season sports because, they, or even winter, because what I've what I've seen a lot is there's there's more and more people doing. Uh, you don't think of surfing as an Ontario thing, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that surf off of Lake Ontario for when the storms come in and you yep. can ride some of these bigger waves. Yeah. It's, it's like, I never thought, oh, what? Surfing? Lake Ontario? Are you kidding me? But well, no. even the kayak surfing, right? Kayak like surfing. Like you looked at when yep. we were down at Rotary. Yeah. Those waves start coming in even bigger some mm-hmm. days and you're just out there playing in the waves having yeah. a hoot. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's a little yeah. bit of a thrill sport, but you don't have to go far. No. And you're not like, you're not doing a, driving an hour to find a whitewater river to run and then have to shuttle and you're just riding the surf in Lake Ontario. So, so uh, maybe you'll see more and more people doing some of these more thrill sports like, uh, you know, riding waves on on Lake Ontario. And some of these waves, some of these storms can get pretty big in the winter, a sunny day is just high wind and it's like, it's still nice weather, just windy. So, hey, let's do some surfing. Get out there and have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be something to watch for. Is uh, I don't think we'll get as big as like Hawaii, California, and stuff like that, where people are going. This is my wave. But even the <laughs> east coast of Canada, in that the east they, coast, actually, east coast has been as long as I well, I joined the military back in the early nineties, and it was really big back then yeah. in the early nineties. But you never heard of it, and not outside you never, you never of Nova Scotia. You but, never heard about it mm-hmm. outside of the east coast. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it started. Ooh, 
ooh, yeah. leaking out. And exactly. everybody going, what do you mean East Coast surfing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, go out there and look at the waves. Yeah. And I had a girlfriend everywhere. that lived on, I can't remember the name of the beach, but uh, her, her parents had a house right there on one end of that beach. And uh, so you could sit there on their uh, patio and watch the surfers. Yeah. And you never got out there and did it? No, no. Surfing hurts. I, <laughs> I used to scuba dive and I wasn't a big fan of it. Like in the winter, it hurts to be in water that cold. Physically hurts. It's like, oh my God, it hurts. <laughs> That's why I don't go in the water. Ever. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been over two years since Miami Beach first warned residents to avoid the canal near Parkview Island neighborhood due to high levels of fecal particles in the water. Mm-hmm. City, which has blocked access to a kayak launch on the canal since 2020, says it searched for sewage leaks and has tested water but still hasn't found the source of the pollution. Although it has pointed a finger at dog owners after traces of pet poop were found in water samples. How many dogs are there? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you start thinking, like, like, is there just like a massive herd of dogs? <laughs> but And what's interesting, though, is uh, they talk about this as a uh, fecal matter, fecal particles, and, and so on. So it's like, it's, it sounds like it's like some kind of, like, you know, you get big storms in the Toronto uh, sewer lagoons, yeah. they overflow and whatever suddenly. But so you think of, like, uh, that's fecal matter. But... With the beaches on Lake Ontario, it's usually E. coli that closes them down. And what it turns out to be for us in southern Ontario is all the gosh darn Canada geese. Yeah. they there's two, The Canada geese are in the water and they're pooping everywhere. And it just causes very high E. coli uh, counts. But I haven't heard too many closures this summer. I haven't heard of any yet. The, I've heard of My, one yeah, or I haven't two. really been there's, paying too much attention. Yeah. But there's been there's been... There was not too many last year, and I think I heard of one recently, but uh, it was just a small area. But A few years ago, like, all of them oh, were closed. Like, yeah, you talk July, August, and it's like almost every beach would be closed for yeah. E. coli, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a March 2020 sewer line break led officials to issue a no-contact-with-water advisory for the area near the kayak launch, and the city never lifted the public health advisory. The levels of fecal bacteria have consistently measured well above the Florida Department of Health recreational swim standards. Hmm. Water sample taken at the kayak launch July, uh, early July recorded fecal bacteria levels 345 times beyond state standards. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> How did you describe it earlier? 345 times your... Uh Daily intake. Oh, yeah, daily, daily intake. <laughs> recommended intake. It's like, wow. Uh, city has hired a University of Miami professor to investigate the polluted water over the next three months and issue a report with recommendations on how to treat it. Uh, um, they, the residents of the area are saying that uh, this prolonged environmental hazard has hurt their quality of life. I think swimming in water that polluted would also cause a dire effect to your Quality Health. of life. Yes. <laughs> uh, what the Omar Jimenez, president of the Neighborhood Association, says he doesn't think the city has acted quickly enough to address the issue, and he longs for the days when he could swim or kayak freely outside his home. The city says it spent 70000 on efforts such as blowing smoke through the pipes to find leaks, video surveillance, water quality sampling, hiring a third-party group to conduct an initial investigation, and cleaning out the sewer system. That's quite a lot they've done. Yeah. But they still haven't figured out what's what's causing it. Water samples have found high levels of dog and bird DNA, but the city says it has not identified a single source of contamination, like you say with the Canada geese. Yeah. But how many dogs in Canada geese are there going to be? So if for, for dogs, dogs, sure, people don't pick up other dogs, but dogs aren't pooping on concrete or mm-hmm. pooping on beaches. They poop in the grass. So it would take a lot of water runoff to get groundwater through the, through the ground into waterways, right? Mm-hmm. I guess occasionally you'd wash onto a sidewalk and wash into a storm drain and get into the ocean and I don't know. 
this professor, uh, Solo Gabriel, theorized that there may be regrowth in the fecal bacteria in the environment. So she wants to test the sediment at the bottom of the canal. She also recommended installing an auto sampler at the kayak launch, which collects water samples twice a day. Also sample water north and south of the launch. Yeah. Could be coming from upstream, right? Yeah, you don't. They don't know where it's come from. You got to yeah. start looking at your options. But you got to think. I mean, from a kayaker's point of view, if you live right there and you got this boat launch and you and can't, you can't use, use it, it, yeah, what a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. That sucks. It's a real poopy situation. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you! <laughs> uh, a raffle winner. Anne LeBlanc won a brand new $1,500 kayak in a raffle during the Boys and Girls Club of Gardeners Nurturing Tomorrow fundraising gala. She promptly turned around and donated the prize to help a local organization that assists cancer patients. She says, I thought to myself, what's a chance I'm going to win it? And if I do win it, I was going to donate it to the Cancer Fund of Central Mass because I have no use for a kayak. A uh, kayak filled with equipment for a paddler was dubbed the Ultimate Summer Fun Raffle Prize and alone raised $7,000 for the Boys and Girls Club. She says, I'm not really involved in the Boys and Girls Club, but we're always happy to help them. We were selling some of the tickets, and I happened to buy a few, and I was the big winner. Uh, according to a Facebook post um, by LeBlanc, the kayak and supplies that came with it will be raffled again to raise more money to benefit the Cancer Fund of Central Mass, and the date has yet to be announced. How cool is that? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Give I mean, if you're back. not going to use it, yeah. you know. Like, and she bought the tickets to help Boys yeah. and Girls Club, and now she's going to help some the uh, what the Cancer... The yeah, Cancer Fund of Central Cancer Mass. Cancer Fund of Central Massachusetts, yeah. yeah. But, still, I mean, like a $1,500 kayak with and gear. With a whole bunch of gear. Even I mean, sit on top and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like somebody will be happy to have that. Yeah, yeah. So good honor. Wrap good it on twice. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Ann. So I got confused and confusticated. It's all the barbecue I ate. <laughs> you meat sweats yet? Oh, dude, I'm beyond meat sweats. <laughs> I will tell you this. I made bacon wrapped asparagus. Yeah. And I still hate asparagus. <laughs> I thought I'd try it because I haven't had asparagus in years because I hate it. Happy to say, still hate it. I had asparagus with supper tonight, just steamed asparagus with salt and pepper. That's what I can smell. Mm, it's so good. So I made these things called armadillo eggs. Okay. Cream cheese, cheddar cheese, spices stuffed inside a jalapeno, uh-huh. wrapped in ground sausage, wrapped in wait, wait. bacon, smoked, and then barbecue sauce. Wow. That's a lot going on there. They looked awesome. (laughs) They tasted fantastic, or so I'm told. So you have a creamy filling. Yep. What was the creamy filling again? Inside is cream cheese. Cream cheese. Cheddar cheese. Cheddar. And spice. And spice. And that's stuffed in a... Jalapeno. Jalapeno pepper. And then it's wrapped in... in sausage. Spice sausage. spicy sausage. Yep. And then wrapped Wrapped in in bacon. bacon. Smoked and then a, how, uh, how long do you smoke it for? Two hours, hmm. and then a sweet and heat uh, barbecue sauce put on top. Put back in for about fifteen, so it caramelizes. That sounds really good, dude. It was. It looked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I hate cheering cheese. I hate jalapenos. Oh yeah, so I didn't have one. Oh, but apparently awesome. everybody that's had them has just loved them, and you got to hmm. do those again. But oh. The burnt ends. And what the are shotgun pork. shells? You're using pasta for a shotgun shell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the cannelloni stuffed with um, burger and cheese and. And then wrapped in bacon. Wrapped in bacon. <laughs> 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 Everything I do is wrapped in bacon. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the pork manufacturing companies of the world. <laughs> I should be getting some sort of discount. Some sort of kickback. Oh, and the pulled pork I did was good. Yeah, you gave me some of that when I got here tonight. That was really, really good. Was it, though? So tender. Melt in your mouth. (sighs) Mm -hmm. We should take a commercial so I can go get another sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I got got a bit confusticated um, looking at a couple uh, things about these Yukon races. Yeah. 
And I'm thinking... And they're back on, yay! Yeah, one of them said, oh yeah, there's so many records set and da, 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 over the weekend. And another one's going, yeah, they they took 15 hours off that that eight-day trip. and Or whatever, they made it in five days. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. So there's two river races up in the Yukon this time of year. Yes, there is. There's the Yukon River Quest and the Yukon 1000. So the Yukon River Quest runs at the end of June. This year it was the 22nd to the 25th of June. 715 kilometers or 444 miles is known as the race to the midnight sun. It is run at a time of year when the northern sky does not get dark, allowing paddlers to the unique experience of being on the river 24 hours a day. <laughs> Starts in White, House, White Horse and ends in Dawson. It's a nonstop race. So if you want to paddle 24 hours a day, you can do the whole you can do 715 the whole kilometers in a go. Uh, support crew is important to have. They help you at the start of the race, getting yeah. your boat together and all that. They're there when you get to CarMax to feed you and help you out there. And then they're there to help you at the end because if you're going 24 hours a day, by the time you get to Dawson at the end of the race, mm. like you are so tired and yeah. your legs are cramped and everything, you definitely need help at the end of the race, getting your boat, getting to where your tent or whatever is you're going you're gonna to sleep for or to a hotel or a car or something. So that was, uh, if you want to find more information, go to yukonriverquest.com. Now, that's the race that John Van Berger participated in. Like, he's done his own Yukon yeah. River. Did he? I think he's done the River Quest. He's done the River Quest. Yeah. Uh, ten records were set uh, this year, including overall record, 24 minutes off the previous record. And this is what got me confused. I was like, no, no, they said five, like 15 yeah. hours, mm-hmm. not 24 minutes. And um, I was reading a couple articles at the same time sort of thing. <laughs> I just like, what? <laughs> I'm getting confused. <laughs> the previous stand-up paddleboard record was beaten by more than four hours with wow. a time of 47 hours, 46 minutes, and 32 seconds. <laughs> High, fast water played a part in quicker times this year, but it also made for challenging conditions. Number of boats tipped on Lake Labarge due to the headwind. Kind of happens every year, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I think that, uh, one of seven, one in seven boats dumped in five-finger rapids, where seasoned racers said the waves were higher than ever. Hmm. 62 boats finished. How many started? That I didn't see. Uh, but 62 of them finished. That's a good number. Yeah. Then you have the Yukon 1000. So, as I was saying earlier, the Yukon River Quest is like the party barge. Yeah. The Yukon 1000 is like military boot camp. (laughs) It is strict on their rules, on their safety, on their guidelines. You must do this, must do this, must do this, can't do this, can't do this, disqualified, did not finish, disqualified, disqualified. If you come across somebody that's tipped or whatever, you have to help them. If oh. you just paddle on by them without offering aid, disqualified. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's quite. But, I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, this one runs at the beginning of July. So, it was July 2nd this year. And uh, 1,600 kilometers or 1,000 miles, nine days, five hours to finish the challenge. That's what you're given. The average is seven to eight days. Okay. White Horse Yukon to Dalton Highway Bridge in Alaska. So you pass under the bridge and you pull off. Only 40 teams are accepted to compete, but they get hundreds of applications. They only choose wow. 40 teams. It's 80 paddlers. Now it makes sense why the fee is so high. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-sufficient, totally unsupported. So if you're going for seven days, you've got to have all your food, all yeah, your There's everything. no food drops. There's, there's no. They have the security bags. You put all your phones, your Apple watches, everything in the security bag. Mm-hmm. And it's like a non-tamperable. Yeah. So they know if you've opened it and used your phone. Oh. If you contact somebody, disqualified. 
<laughs> if you use it to send an email or check a message. So you can carry the, the bag with you, but you, you can't open it. If you minute you open that bag, disqualified. Hmm. Yeah, this like, I mean, this is heavy duty stuff. What if you got to? What do you got to post an Instagram? What are you gonna do? <laughs> hey, everybody, look! This is me disqualified. <laughs> this is my the batting gram. partner behind me disqualified. Do it for the gram. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're allowed to paddle no more than eighteen hours a day. Hmm. There's a mandatory six hour rest period every day. Wow. Uh, race fee. $2,295 Canadian. Yeah, that blew my mind when I saw Woo-hoo! that. No solar paddle, solo paddlers allowed. Uh, you can go through all the pages of rules and recommendations yeah, and requirements them. at Yukon, the number 1000. So Yukon1000.org. Jason Magnus and Daniel Stodigel. Stodigel? Stodigel? Gel? Something like that. Uh, pulled past the finish line at Alaska's Dalton Highway Bridge after five days, 11 hours, 48 minutes in their kayaks. That's an average of almost 200 miles a day. What were they paddling? Uh, tandem kayak. The two kayakers. Was, yeah. Wow. Tandem kayak. 15 hours off the overall course record. Wow. They just didn't beat the record. They blew it to smithereens. They must be like Olympic rowers or paddlers or Marathon something. paddlers that hmm. really, really tiny skinny legs yeah. and Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> upper body. That's yeah. all I'm picturing. Like Gru from yeah. Minions. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, along the way, the two kayakers all came frightening weather conditions. Uh, apparently, there was a uh, lightning storm at one point. Wildfire, smoke, navigational hazards, and of course, massive fatigue and pain to capture the record. Hmm. 200 miles a day. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's something. Even with the current helping you, that's still a lot of distance to mm-hmm. travel. What was. So, again, I'm just remembering back to John Van Bigger when he did his Yukon journey. Um, he was. Wasn't he doing between 30 and 60 on average every day? And it was a lot of float. He has he used the current there, yeah, there's a Yeah, always, there's always the current there. Yeah. Uh, he, this year, though, that was they, they were saying that it, it's faster. This year, mm-hmm. higher water, yeah. faster current. Hmm. So that's definitely... If you're doing a long trip, if you're doing like the Yukon journey like John was doing, yeah. this is the year you want that. Oh, yeah. That, it'll push you right along. Push water, yeah. yeah. Cover so much more mm-hmm. distance. Yeah. But. And that's where often you see, not to take any credit away from uh, Jason and Daniel, but uh, the uh, it, was, it really weather makes or breaks a, any race of this type, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's we've seen some groups, uh, there's a lot of groups doing the meanest link this year, and uh, anybody who has uh, had to fight headwinds or had a storm day or I remember uh, Grant and Johnny, what was it, in 20. 20- 20 they when they did it they got windbound for almost a whole day yeah it was so windy and so when it comes to a lot of these races like let's say you had low water conditions that's hard to break a record when you're facing low low Thumb current crack right walk. yeah so but if you're like super high water conditions and the weather's just right and you know you can really make up some time and you know if you're not fighting headwinds and whatnot right yeah so no they seem to have prime um Water conditions is your except for the rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you don't dump in those rapids, you're uh, you're you pretty made, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, so <laughs> once I figured out, oh, we're talking two about different two races. different races. That <laughs> 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 I made mean, so much, so much more sense. Um, we we're talking about yoga earlier. Yeah. On the island of Oahu in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's a place called Magic Island, and there's a place called Yoga Floats. Kelsey is the founder of Yoga Floats and wanted to find a way to combine a deep sense of peace she found through yoga with the inspiring and uplifting feeling of being on the ocean. She wanted to find a way to make stand-up paddleboard yoga accessible to anyone and everyone in Hawaii. So she started her Yoga Floats company. She's got something called Light Up the Night Class. Now, we've been talking about the 
um, light up uh, canoes and kayaks and stuff going out in the harbors. Yeah. And that seems to be the latest thing mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years all, all across North America anyway. Experience the magic of the ocean at night after the hustle and bustle of the day ends and stillness falls upon the evening. There's no better way to enjoy the beauty of twilight in Honolulu than in this stand-up paddleboard yoga class. Hmm. Now we've ta- we've talked about the the goat yoga, yeah, the yeah, stand-up yeah. paddleboard yoga, the let's drink wine while we do yoga, yoga, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So. The calm, dark dark water is lit up by our underwater lights. Oh. So the stand-up paddle boards have the different colored lights under them. Yeah. So basically, you're on the board, but around you, the water is all lit up different colors. So it's the lights are, they haven't planted lights on, under the water. That they're, no, they're the, on. They're the stand-up paddle boards yeah. are lit. Yeah. Uh, underwater lights, beautiful fluorescent blue, green, purple, and red colors, so you can experience a kaleidoscope of vibrant hues rippling across the water. We keep our yoga practice slow and calm, allowing ourselves to move intentionally as we take in the beauty of the city lights and the glowing ocean waters that surround us. Now, some people were saying, like, when they're down there, they're doing some of these poses and they're sitting there on their back doing some of these things, relaxing, and they're just looking up at all the stars and the sky. You're out in the harbor and it's dark, right? It'd be some amazing night photography. Like, like, uh... Photo yoga. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be really cool. Yeah. Friday night classes are extra special as they wrap up with a fireworks show from the water. <laughs> Enjoy the display from the calmier paddleboard. <laughs> so, me, I'm falling off. I'm drowning to the sound of. So, it's a celebration. It was so calm and relaxing as the explosions were going off over my head. Yeah, I guess on Friday nights they have some festival or something yeah. every, and they just shoot fireworks at the end. So. Yeah. I guess they they, got, they time it or something so that you're just laying there looking up the stars and then watching the fireworks mm-hmm. go off and <laughs> that's the end of your day. But yeah, these are the ones I was sitting there. They they were talking about they drop an anchor down to hold you in place. Okay, yeah, right, so that you can you're not like you say <laughs> we got a runner. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool to do though. It would be, yeah. I you know I'd be like I'd be half ass in the yoga just so I could be out there looking at the stars. <laughs> yeah. Left your left leg. Okay, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh another really cool thing I came across. The ultimate day trip combines two activities into one day of big fun for the family. This would be good for people with well, they say seven years old is the youngest. But even like eight, nine, ten, the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad Raft and Rail Excursion in North Carolina has been a favorite for more than 30 years. The day-long excursion leaves in the morning from the depot in downtown Bryson City. You'll be met at the depot by a representative of Whitewater, the company providing the rafting trip from the depot. Yeah. Uh, you'll depart on a several-hour train journey into the Nantahala Gorge. Enjoy the scenery along the way from an open-air car on the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad. Travel right along the side, the Nantahala River, a beautiful rocky bottom river with white caps you'll soon be rolling over in a raft of your own. You may even get to see other rafting trips already on the river as you pass. So who, how many kids, I mean, and adults, anybody love a train ride? Yeah. I know when we were up north, we went on the uh, Agawa Canyon tour. Yeah. And that was from Thunder, uh, sorry, Sault Ste. Marie Mm -hmm. all the way up and spent, you you stop at the end of the day and, and, uh, or not at the end of the day, about halfway through the day and you can get some lunch and there's a couple waterfalls you can hike to and stuff like that. And you hop back on the train and all the way back home. Uh, when we did the... Um, trip up to Moosonee, we took the um, Polar Bear Express halfway. And then when we got to got up to Moosonee, we took it all the way back. Who doesn't like a railway train trip? <laughs> this train stops right in front of the Adventure Center, uh, where the second half of your day trip is about to begin. So you think the train trips, you know, that's one thing. We still got another thing to do. 
Scarf down a delicious deli lunch before meeting your river guide. Each raft have its own guide. And getting a quick orientation on what to expect and do on your exciting eight-mile rafting trip down the river. So a big train ride up, seeing all the scenery. Peek out on a train. And and then eight-mile river run all the way back down. So, uh, That's pretty cool, eh? It is. So uh, we, we did the Burt Reynolds River, Merle River run similar to this. We took the train to Bisco Tazing, mm-hmm. and then we took the Spanish River south, and it was a week-long trip. Yeah. It was a whitewater trip, and we started with a train ride. And we got to load the, the canoes onto the, onto the train uh, car ourselves, and and we visited them a couple of times, went for a walk during the ride, and it was pretty neat. It was really, really narrow tracks. Like, you can see rocky faces coming right by the window on the train. It's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> don't stick your, your head inside. out the window. Yeah. <laughs> uh, com. if you want to uh, click the packages tab, and it'll tell you about it and costs and dates and all that sort of stuff. But I was just thinking, you know, that sounds pretty cool. Get out there and, and do all that during the day and mm-hmm. train right up and, and everything like that on the way back. Oh, what else do I got? Do I got one more? Oh, I got one more thing here. Um, oh, New York City. Let's talk New York City now. We're, doing a lot. We're talking a lot about the states today, aren't we? Yes, we are. We talk so about- what, is it, what is the... Uh- Circle Manhattan thing that, uh, like, oh, that was the uh, Alan, yeah, there's the Manhattan Circle Manhattan to the Statue of Liberty. Alan Drummond did that one. No, or, he was going to do it and it got canceled because of the pandemic. Oh, but he never did go. I thought he had already done it once and he was doing it again and it got canceled. No, it was John John Van Berger. I think did it John's once? done it. Yeah, but Alan was going to do it and it got canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, New York City is a maritime city carved up by rivers, dotted with you know historic ports and. And marshlands. Uh, decades, the waterway has been known for their less than breathtaking vistas uh, and more toxic waste, illegal dumping, and sewage outflows. And honestly, when I'm thinking of of New York, you're thinking of that. Well, not you're not thinking clean, of very clean very, water. Yeah. Don't know how fish can live in that. Years of improvement to wastewater management have combined to give the cleanest waters in a century. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can enjoy what your great-grandparents couldn't and get out for a paddle. Yes, raw sewage spews into the rivers anytime there's more than a tenth of an inch of rain, so maybe save <laughs> boating adventure for a dry day. <laughs> Good advice. Yeah. So here's a few places to get on the water this summer across the five boroughs. In Manhattan, you can go to the Inwood, Inwood Canoe Club. They're offering free kayaking sessions every Sunday morning. Uh, you have to sign up in person at 9 a.m. And then there's a 20-minute guided paddles that start at 10 a.m. Uh, you do have to fill out an online waiver before you arrive. Downtown Boathouse at Hudson River Park. Instead of a cocktail hour, how about catching a sunset beyond the Hudson River from a boat? Several times each week through October 10th, the Downtown Boathouse <laughs> lends out its kayaks for the first-come-first-serve wow. basis for 20-minute jaunts along the Hudson River for free. Uh, They're open weekends, holidays, uh, Tuesday and Thursday evenings. No reservations needed. That's pretty cool, though, eh? It's cool, but that's high traffic area. (laughs) You're weaving through, like, barges and tugs, and I I imagine you don't want to leave the shore too far. Well, 20 minutes, how far are you going? I've... Well, it's, you can still get out into the traffic, right? And I've heard stories of people getting turned around by uh, harbor police saying, whoa, what are you doing out here in that little tiny boat? <laughs> I have no clue, officer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I imagine you have to stay pretty close to shore because there is a lot of traffic there. I would think, like I say, 20 minutes when you... Yeah, you're not crossing. You're not, you're, yeah. 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 You know, you're getting out there just to see, get a feel for yeah. it sort of thing. We need um, to paddle amongst all the old pylons of the old docks and there's a mm-hmm. lot of history there, right? So you get you get the New York skyline and well, and it's the, the evening too, so you yeah. hopefully get a nice sunset. Oh, yes, yeah, a nice sunset. The city lights, yeah. Oh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Though, and and if you ignore the smell <laughs> of the sewer overflow, ambiance. Yeah, it's an ambiance. That's that's it. <laughs> if you're in the Bronx, 
You can go to Canoe the Bronx River at various locations. Fridays through the summer, the Bronx River Alliance hosts a free community paddle at Starlight Park Boat Launch. In addition, on several other weekends, there are guided paddles along different parts of the Bronx River. Hmm. So, you know what? Like I say, these are just in the five boroughs here. They're trying to get people out there just to say, yeah. hey, you know what? Get out on the water. Check this out sort of thing, right? If you're in Brooklyn, there's the Brooklyn Bridge Park Boathouse. Paddle in the East River waters near the base of the iconic Brooklyn Bridge. Wow. A launch from uh, the Brooklyn Bridge Park Boathouse located at the Parks Pier 2. Reserve a spot online for free. 20-minute paddle. 20 these minutes are all, seems... Uh, these are all free, too. Yeah. Uh, and 20 minutes. Free 20 minutes. It's not a long paddle. No, it's enough to get you out of the water. It gets go, you out of the like water. This. Date night. Hey, let's go yeah. for a little paddle. And then they get you hooked. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And okay, next one, $7,000. Marine Park Sojourn into the Otherworldly Salt Marsh alongside uh, Gerritsen Creek and Mill Creek at the edge of Marine Park. You can rent single and double kayaks and stand up paddle boards at an outpost of Wheel Fun Rentals. They're open daily, weather permitting. Hmm. I guess Wheel Fun Rentals is a little chain of rental spots along the way. And if you're in Queens, the uh, community boathouse Rockaway Beach, four times a week throughout the summer, community boathouse hosts free open paddles for kayakers of all levels, all uh, as well as guided tours of the marshy Jamaica Bay. Register in advance. So where, if you're in a New York area, where did they find this information? Where did you find this information? Was it on? Like, if somebody wanted to look oh, for it Oh, I just, yeah, just uh, Google New York City Summer Canoe and Kayak Guide. There you go. And uh, they, they're listing a bunch of them that you can uh, go and check out. But these were the main ones in the five boroughs that they're uh, talking about. Yeah. I so, guess you could Google Paddle for Free in New York. Yeah. Paddle for Free in New York. Central <laughs> Park. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, One more thing here. The last one I've got. We've talked uh, about the birch bark canoes yes. and learning the, bringing we, back the culture of We were of supposed to, to build one, but we never got around to it. We can't find birch bark that big. Yeah. How do you source that without killing a tree? How do you find a tree that big? That, that's just that too. Like yeah. if I were to build one, it would be such a patchwork. It yeah. would look horrible. I've got some birch trees. I've got one, two, three, four, five birch trees in my backyard. They're all reaching their age limits. They'd be Frankenstein sewn together because they're not that big. But I should save all the birch bark from those trees. And we'll get something well, off the ground. Well, you got to peel it thick, right? you got to peel it thick. But you know, I'm talking when I take the trees down, right? In 20 years. No, one of them is uh, getting old. It's got cracks. Got, you can see inside the tree where some of the branches fell off. And well, rotted. that's not going to be very good for a canoe now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> There's large patches of clear bark. Very large patches of clear bark. I, I imagine out of the uh, out of the the main tree, which has three trunks, probably build. We could probably build at least one or one and a half canoes. You can build a half one. (laughs) (laughs) Front half or back half. Yeah. (laughs) So Kevin Finney is using an axe-like tool called an ADS to haul out an enormous white pine log at Madeline Island Park in northern Wisconsin, which is on, on, uh, on Lake Superior. Such work routinely was done on on the island by native peoples for centuries, but when Finney and fellow craftsman Frank Sprague started their work, it might have been the first time in 167 years that a dugout canoe was handcrafted uh, in the Apostles. Hmm. 167 years. Most people, like you say, are familiar with the birch bark canoes but are less familiar with dugout canoes that were common among the Ojibwe people. Uh, He says, We've looked through old records, but we can find no evidence of any dugout canoes have been made here since 1854. Uh, Sprague and Finney are specialists in the preservation of Native American crafts. And the project began when Finney brought a dugout canoe the two had built 
to the celebration of Treaty Day on the island, and a number of residents admired the craft, and someone suggested recreating history on Madeline Island. Hmm. Uh, Paul Domain, a retired publisher of News from Indian Country, now operates Native American Educational Technologies, a nonprofit involved in cultural revival, environmental, and clean water advocacy. Uh, people said it would be neat to have the canoe project, so I said, well, let me see what I can do. Domain obtained funding from the Honor the Earth and Indigo Girls funds, received donations from the La Pointe Center for the Arts, the Aking uh, Cultural Project and Island Residents, Businesses, and the Town of La Pointe. total of nearly 10000 was raised for the effort. That's a good chunk. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, Sprague says the next problem was to find a large enough pine log free of knots and other imperfections, and eventually a deal was made for two massive white pine logs from a landowner in Red Lake, Minnesota, in exchange for a large vintage copper pot. Good deal. I would say so. I think that's a lost... A lost art? A lost... A lost... Uh, uh, I don't know if you say it as an lost art. lost tool, a lost... Yeah, thing. Yeah. So I remember... Because I still barter stuff. Yeah. I'll yeah. give you this if you give me that, or I'll do this for you, but... I remember you know, about 10 uh, years ago, there was this, these, I think it was a YouTube channel or something. They were, they started with a paperclip, and they bartered their way up to a car, a car or something. car, yeah. Yeah, because somebody wanted something, I'll give you this, but I need yeah. that. Because everything has yeah. different values to, depending on the person, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he traded himself, started with a paperclip, traded himself up to a new car. Mm-hmm. It was like... Or I don't know if it was a new car, but new to him. It was a car. Uh, but yeah, a car. Paperclip to a car. Yeah. That was, that was, I and, remember that. But I, I, I can see where this would work because a vintage copper pot, I'd love to have one of those. Mm-hmm. I, I give up two trees for that. Yeah. I'd give up two trees from your house. Anybody <laughs> need some birch trees? I know where I can get a couple. <laughs> if you can find me a vintage <laughs> copper pot. <laughs> uh, eventually a deal was made for the two massive pots, uh, logs, and then they were trailered to a small, Small park near the Madeline Island Indian Cemetery, where process of converting the rough-hewn logs into graceful canoes began. The work expected to take about two weeks with the help of volunteers who have stopped by to take part in the effort. Construction of the first dugout canoe was a process of trial and error. It involved exhaustive historical research, painstaking measurements of an existing historical dugout canoe, and sometimes just plain intuition. He says, uh, it's a very much a chess game, says Finney. The canoe will change shape, not only based on the carving, but the way it's treated. They get into a couple things here, which I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Part of the treatment involves filling the nearly finished canoe with hot rocks and exposing the outside to heat to draw the sap outwards. Hmm. When it cools, the sap solidifies and protects the canoe from cracking. Oh. How cool is that? Yeah. Like, I would never have thought of something like that. Be, well, you that's, that'd be a native uh, knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. That's the science according to natives. Uh, canoe builders typically learn such techniques from earlier generations, but Sprague and Finney have had to research and make it up as they went. How to build a dugout wasn't something that was passed down to us, Sprague says. We were told that we didn't need this knowledge. When I was growing up, I was also told I didn't need my language either. Hmm. He says a lot of his motivation for recreating the things in daily life that have been lost since native peoples, uh, have been lost by native peoples, was to ensure that what was once theirs physically and spiritually is returned to them. It has been a long struggle for us. It is not our ancestors' fault for not teaching us, but I do believe that it's our responsibility to study, read, and learn how to do these things. Also involves educating visitors about dugout canoes. Like I was saying, like everybody knows the birch bark canoe, mm-hmm. but okay. you know, you're not really thinking of the dugouts. <clears throat> they were sunk in mud of a lake or river bottom to protect them over the winter. It wouldn't freeze and spall and crack. And yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. The boats have been retrieved in the the boats would be retrieved in the spring. Dugout canoes have been recovered intact after being submerged for hundreds or even thousands of years. There's that one That's in the Wisconsin. Keep, I guess this is why they found. keep finding them in like mud bogs. It's like, yeah. well, how did that get there? Well, I guess somebody stored it and forgot to come back for it in the spring. Yeah. 
Uh, project site has had many visitors, including members, both the Red Cliff and, uh, Bad River tribes anxious to see the progress of the watercraft used by the Rancestors. Kids from Madeline Island summer recreation program have also stopped by. We are lucky the canoe builders are here right now and are able to teach us about the important history of the island, said group leader Zachary Whitaker. It makes me really glad to see this is going on. When hmm. completing, one of the canoes will be kept by the builders while the other will remain on Madeline Island. Very cool. How cool is that? But I didn't know about the storage the storage and the, the drawing the sap to the outside. Yeah, that's it a new one. It makes sense yeah. when you hear yeah. about it, but... Wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah, that's pretty cool that that's that's going on. And I mean, we we talk about this a, a lot, um, especially when it, you know when it comes to canoes and stuff. That yep. getting that that knowledge back, you know, it's it's it was it's been lost, and uh, you know, there there's still those that know how to do it, but you know, they're getting up in age. It's and, becoming a lost. Uh, a lost uh, technology. Yeah. So that'll be cool to maybe if we're down that way one day. Visit yeah. John, we'll take a little boogie up and see if we can check. Yeah, it out. I was looking at it on our map. It's uh, it's uh, it's right at the mouth of the wolf. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's uh, yes, the wolf. He looks more like a cartoon character to me. Everybody looks like a cartoon. It's just character. north of Minneapolis, near very near Duluth. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've got, man. That's all I got. That's all you got? Mm-hmm. Nothing else? Nope. Alrighty. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and download or stream all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.